Thank you, worship team. Uh, I got so lost in worship, I uh, kind of forgot what I was going to say this morning. That was amazing. God, God is really good, isn't he? And isn't it great to, to worship him, to truly worship him? Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to greet you this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you for joining us in worship today. Again, if you're visiting with us for the first time, just say a special aloha to you, a special welcome to you. And uh, we had a great time last week, Easter service, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, God is really good. And I'm just so blessed. Actually, I'm so honored just to be a part of this church. And uh, God is so good. But, uh, you know, we're beginning a new sermon series uh, this week. It's just a short one. It's just for three weeks. It's entitled Up, In, and Out. You can see it up here, Up, In, and Out. And uh, I believe as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, you claim to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that there are three very important relationships that we need to have. And it's encapsulated in these uh, three phrases, up, in, and out. And Jesus actually modeled this in his own life, in his own ministry, these three relationships. Now, he had many other relationships, but these three particular. The first one is up, up to God. Our relationship with God is first and foremost. And then the in relationship is in with other believers, with other people, like-minded, like-hearted people. And then the relationship that goes out, beyond ourselves, out into the world, out into this broken and hurting world that we live in. And so all three of these relationships, I believe, are important and are essential if we claim to be a Christian. And we're going to be looking at that for the next couple of weeks, up in and out, very simple to remember, uh, very easy to understand as well. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the third book in the New Testament, and uh, Luke chapter 6. And we're going to look at these verses, and we'll see how Jesus modeled these three particular relationships in his own life and in his own ministry. So Luke chapter 6, if you don't have a Bible, if you don't have it on your phone, you can see it up here on the screen. And the first verse is 12, verse 12. And it says, Now during those days, he, meaning Jesus, went out to the mountains to pray, and he spent the night in prayer to God. Right here, right off the bat, we see Jesus' relationship with God, his heavenly Father. We read in other portions of the scripture that Jesus would often go out by himself. He would leave his disciples and his followers behind. and Sometimes go out early in the morning to a quiet place. And it says to a lonely place. And there he would spend his time with his heavenly father. Praying, listening, just seeking his father's heart. And that was his up relationship with God. And then we also see he intentionally spent a lot of time. And we have that... uh, that equation there, you see on the bottom it says QT equals QR. And we've used that equation a number of times here in our service when we talk about our relationship with God. And it basically means Q time, means quality, is the Q, quality time equals a quality relationship. And we know this for, for certain in our own relationships, whether it's with our spouse or with its, our, our child or our parents. If we put quality time in, 
there's a very likelihood there'll be a quality relationship that develops from that. Time equals relationship. Presence equals relationship. And so that equation, quality time, equals quality relationship. And Jesus has his priorities straight. He spent quality time with God, and because of that, he had a quality relationship with God. So that's up to God. Up relationship. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 13. And it says, And when day came, Jesus, he called his disciples and chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. And it goes on. And he names those 12 disciples. He says, Simon, whom we named Peter, and his brother Andrew, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Did you know there were two Judases that were disciples? Right there, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. This was Jesus' in relationship, in with other believers, in with his followers. These were his closest friends, his closest earthly friends. And he spent a lot of time with them. And even within those 12 disciples, he had another, what we call an inner circle of closer friends. It was the three, it was Peter, James, and John. And they were part of Jesus' inner circle, and they were closer friends. Remember when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested and before he was crucified? He went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he took these three disciples, his closest friends, and he said, come with me. I need you to stay with me. I need you to pray with me. And uh, so he had this inner circle. And this was his in relationship, in relationship with other people, other believers. And then let's move on. Continuing on, verse 17, it says, Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And verse 18, they had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him for power came out from him and healed all of them. This was Jesus' out relationship, out to a world. These were people that were, wanted to be healed. They were sick, and they were lame, they were hurting, they were in pain, they were suffering. And they came to Jesus, and Jesus responded to them. So he had not only had his up relationship with his heavenly father, his in relationship with his closest disciples and friends, but he had an out relationship as he came, as the word says, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so he had this relationship as well with those who were hurting, those that were broken. And we know that we live in a world where there's much suffering and much pain, much hurt. And perhaps there's some of you here this morning that are going through that as well. And we as Christians, we as believers, we need to reach out to this broken and hurting world. So up, in, and out. And we're going to be hearing more about that. But again, it's very easy to understand, very easy to grasp. So this morning, just for a brief moment, I'm going to look at our up relationship with God. Because it's the, I believe it's the most important one, and it's upon which all other relationships should be based. Our relationship with God, our personal relationship with him, should be the foundation of everything else that we do, of all these other relationships, of everything we do in our life if we call ourselves Christians. And now it's not complicated. 
it's not rocket science, but it all begins with a simple relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And I may have been repeating this week after week after week, but it's so important. And you may have heard it week after week after week, but it's so important. Christianity, being a follower of Jesus Christ, is not a religion. It's not a set of rules and regulations and checklists to check off and to follow. Many people think that's what religion is, but it's not. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a human being having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's such an important factor to remember because so many people live their lives saying, I have to do this and I have to do that. And if I don't do this and I don't do that and if I don't check off the list, then I'm not good enough for God. And when God sees that, he says, you're right. You're not good enough for me. No one is good enough. We're all sinners. That's why I sent my son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins because you can never be good enough. And so we need to understand that, that it's all about a relationship and it's a personal relationship that you can have with God. And it's the realization that our sin, that we're sinners, we confess and we repent and then we receive his forgiveness and receive the promise of eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever trusts in him, should not perish, should not die, but would have everlasting life. And so we have the promise of eternal life that even when we die, we won't really die. We'll die from this earth and this body, but we'll go to heaven because we have a personal relationship with Jesus. And he gives us not just eternal life, but, but a new life. Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection is something that's new. And he's given each and every one of us new life. But that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. When we accept the Lord and receive his forgiveness and he comes into our life and he sends the Holy Spirit to empower us. That's just the beginning. What happens after that? What happens after that? What happens to our relationship with God then? Let me ask you a direct question this morning. And maybe it may be a bit uncomfortable for some of you. But here's the question. You don't need to answer it out loud, but you need to think about it in your own mind and in your own heart. And here's the question. How, how is your relationship with God right now? How is your relationship with God right now? And just be honest. It's okay. Some of you may say, it's good. Some of you may say, I, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. Some of you may say, well, I know it's not good. I know I'm far away from God. I know it could be better. That's a question we need to ask ourselves this morning. How is my relationship with God right now? You see, it's God's will. It's God's will, I believe, that all believers, 
followers of Jesus Christ, that we grow in our faith, that we grow in our walk with God, that we grow in our personal relationship with God. And remember, because it's a relationship, it's something that's, that's alive, it's dynamic. It lives and it moves. And it's something that can be very alive or it can be something that can be very dead as well. But it means that we grow in what I would call spiritual maturity, which simply means that we dedicate ourselves daily to God. And we allow God and the Lord to transform, to transform us into the likeness and into the image of Jesus Christ. And it should be our prayer that we become more and more and more like Jesus in how we think, what we say, how we respond to situations, in our attitudes, if we're a growing believer, if our relationship is growing. Let's pray for a second here. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We just thank you for the reminder that you are a God who loves us with an everlasting love. I thank you, God, that you are a God who who pursues us in a relationship and that you want to be in a living and a loving relationship with us. And you keep pursuing us, even though we may ignore you, even though we may not care about it, even though we may be so busy and so distracted doing other things in our life, you still love us and you keep pursuing us and you keep coming after us. Even while we were still sinners, it says, your son Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. So Lord, I just thank you for that. I thank you for the potential of having a relationship with you as you continue to pursue it. So Lord, bless us now as we think about our own personal relationship with you. Lord, continue to speak to our hearts this morning. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's that time of the year. Look at the slide up there. Any of you basketball fans? There's a few down here, right? The NBA playoffs. I love basketball. It's already past the first round. Some of your teams may have already lost. Some of your teams may not have even made the playoffs, like the Lakers. But I love basketball. Why? Because it's a team game. It's a team game. And it takes a team effort to win the championship. No matter if you have a superstar or not on your team, or even a couple or two or three superstars, if they cannot play together as a team and act like a team and live like a team, there's not a very likelihood that they'll win the championship. So even if you have a superstar, say like, uh, like LeBron James on your team, it doesn't matter. The Lakers didn't even make the playoffs. So it's teamwork. It's team effort. And that's what I like about basketball. Because you need your teammates. And to win a championship, you not only need your teammates, your fellow players, but you need great coaches and great management and great staff and great fans and a lot of people who support that team. But you know, we need each other. I can't win this championship on my own. I need my teammates. And it's kind of like this in our Christian walk as well. And I call it God's, God's game plan. And that's the journey that we're all on. And so, here's the question. How do I, when we talk about our relationship with God, how do I maintain 
How do I maintain and grow that relationship I have with God? You see, it's, it's impossible for me to accomplish God's purposes on my own. I need others. Like, it's impossible for me to win the basketball championship on my own. I need my teammates. It's impossible for me to be all that God wants me to be on my own. I need God's family. I need Christian community to fulfill God's purposes. We are better off together than being alone. We need others to help us stay on the right path, to cultivate and grow that personal relationship with God. Look at this next slide. Any of you have seen this movie yet? I think a few of you have, right? Avengers Endgame, it's out in the movie theaters. Now I'm not gonna give you any, I'm not gonna spoil the movie if you haven't seen it. But most of you probably know that story. The Avengers, it's a group of superheroes. They all have superpowers and they're smart and they're intelligent and they're strong and they can win lots and lots of wars and fight the bad guys and the aliens and all that other stuff. But they've also discovered they can't do it by themselves. That's why they assembled a group called the Avengers. It's not just one man, one woman, not one superhero, not even a so-called god, Thor, the god from Asgard, right? So you look at all those heroes up there. They all have power and they all have strength and they all have might and they all have brains in their own right. Tony Stark, Iron Man, Captain America, the Black Widow, Thor, the Hulk, but they still can't fight the bad guys unless they work together as a team. You see, they need each other. They need each other. That's one of the redeeming values of that movie. It's teamwork. It's working together. It's covering the other person's back. And as you go through the story, and if you've seen the movies before, each of them sort of have their own little personal story. And they go through their own personal struggles and personal issues like we all do. And yet their teammates stand behind them, stand alongside of them. And together, they're able to win the victory. So that's just like it is here in our church. Look at this. Look at this team up here. It's the Croc Avengers. That was our original Croc team that helped build the Croc Center several years ago. You can see that. That's the original six right there. Now, a few of them have left. They've gone their own way. They've kind of vanished into thin air. But, you know, we needed each other, and we still do. We couldn't build this Croc Center just by ourselves. We needed help. You get what I'm trying to say? We need each other to walk this path that God wants us to walk. We don't need to walk it alone. We need other people. We need great team members. So notice what the Bible says there in Romans chapter 12, verse 5. And you'll see it on the screen. It says, since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. We're part of the same group. Some, we belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. We need each and every team member. We need you. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you need me. <laughs> Go ahead, say that. <laughs> say to the, next, the other person, say, you need me. 
Feels kind of weird, huh? <laughs> now, turn to that same person and say, I need you. <clears throat> say it again to somebody else. I need you. I need you, Gabby, to do the dishes when you get home. (coughs) I'm picking on my daughter, sorry. Whether you realize it or not, we do need each other, don't we? God wired you and me, all of us, in such a way that we can only fulfill his purposes for our life in community, in his family, in relationship to each other. You see, it's impossible to accomplish all of what God has designed for us without other Christian believers. We are better off together and not alone. And God tells us that we need to be in community. So imagine your spiritual life, your relationship with God. Imagine that it's, it's like, a, like a journey, and you're walking on this journey The question is, do you have anyone walking with you? Do you have anyone walking with you? We know that Jesus is walking with us because we've asked him into our life and his presence. His presence is always with us. But I'm talking about other people. I'm talking about other people. Do you have a spouse or or, or Christian friends or a small group that's walking with you? Or are you walking alone? God never intended for us to walk this walk alone. He wants to walk with us and he intends for other believers to walk with us as well. That's how he designed us. Remember God's primary goal for our life is to learn to love God and to love each other and we can't learn to love others without walking with them on this journey. So so he says, I want you to practice learning to love by giving you others to walk along with. And so, um, for the remainder of my time this morning, I want to just give you a few reasons, a few reasons why we need other Christian believers to walk alongside of us on our spiritual journey. There are some very practical reasons, and I just have a few of them this morning. But number one, Number one, we need someone to keep us going when we want to quit. We need someone to keep us going when we want to quit. You see, there'll always be days, there'll always be weeks, perhaps months, where we don't feel like loving and doing the right things. And the Word of God says in Hebrews chapter 10, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You see, if we're going alone, there's no one to keep us going, to keep us moving forward, to keep walking alongside of us. There's an old proverb, an African Zambian proverb, and it says this, you see it up there, it says, when you run alone, you run fast. But when you run together, you run far. You see, in the Christian life, it's not how fast you run, but how far you run. Getting to the finish line to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
And when others run with us, we keep spurring each other on, encouraging each other. And it keeps us focused on what God has us here to do. So when you feel like quitting, when you feel like giving up, when you feel like throwing in the towel, we need other people to just spur us on. You can do it. Come on, we're in this together. Second reason. Number two, we need other Christians to watch our backs. Think about that. I need people who will look out for me, who will defend me, who will protect me, who will stand up for me when I need somebody to stand up for me. I need to be humble enough to understand that and be aware of that and to allow people to do that for me. Philippians 2.4 says this, Look out for one another's interests, not just for your own. So I need to be looking out for other people's interests as well as I need people to look out for my best interests as well. This happens in the military. It's a very big deal and they take it very seriously. You watch your fellow soldiers back and they watch yours. You cover for them and they cover for you. And they make sure to protect you from the enemy. And we do have an enemy out there who is aiming for us. And his name is Satan. He's not just some imaginary being. And he hates us. And he comes to steal and kill and destroy. And he wants to defeat us. And he wants to discourage us. And he ultimately wants to destroy us. He wants to mess up your life. He wants to make us ineffective. He, he wants to m- make us miss God's will. And he's planning how to get you to waste your day and to get angry and to get impatient, to get lustful, to get worried, to get fearful, to get depressed. And he's going to try whatever works on you. And he'll try it on you. And so let me ask you this question. And I seem to be asking lots of questions today. But the question here is, do you have anybody looking out for your soul? Do you? Do you have someone else who's looking out for your soul? Someone who has your back to help you avoid falling into the enemy's traps? Let's be honest. We all have blind spots. We all have weaknesses. We all have areas where we are prone to fall into temptation. And if we try to go it alone, we will be more likely to stumble and fall. And we need to admit that. But when we have a few trusted Christian friends that we are close to, who can be honest with us, they can hold us accountable to our weaknesses, and they can help steer us in the right direction before we make a big mistake in our life. The Bible says this, and take heed. It says, with a multitude of counselors, there is success. Why? Because they can help prevent us from making dumb decisions in our life. A a Christian friend can tell us if you're walking in the wrong direction. And so the question is, who's watching your back right now spiritually? And by the same token, whose back are you watching out for? 
So here's another reason why we need other believers to walk alongside us in this journey. Number three, we need someone to pick us up when we fall. It reminds me of that, uh, that commercial, that Lifeline commercial, where he has an elderly person laying on the floor and says, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. It may sound humorous, right? But if you're ever better in that situation and you're completely helpless, it's a pretty precarious situation. We had one of our members just this last week fall <clears throat> in her home and broke her hip. And she was on the floor for about 30 minutes before her husband found her. She's okay now. She went to have hip surgery. But just having that sense of helplessness, and there's no one there to help you, to help to pick you up, just to be aware. So we need someone to pick us up when we fall. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. And that's true. And here's another one, number four. We need someone to encourage us. Hebrews 10 says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. Encourage. How many of us here do not need encouragement? We all do, don't we? We may not admit it, but we do. And when we receive that encouragement... Wow, it just makes you feel so good. Encourage, that word encourage means to give courage to someone so they can be courageous about whatever they're facing. So we, can, we all need to be encouraged. I need people to encourage me daily in my daily walk. I said at the 8 o'clock service, there was, a, there was a woman who I don't really know was sitting on the front row, and before church started, as I walked by her, she said, Pastor, I just want to let you know I prayed for you today because I know you were preaching. And you don't know what that did to my heart. It just made me feel so encouraged that she would say that and that she would do that. But we all need to be encouraged. So how do we do that? It says here, let's not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another by meeting together, by hanging out, by talking story, by sharing a meal together, by sharing life together, just by doing life together. That's how we can encourage one another. But we need true Christian friends that can do that. And then the last thing, the last thing I leave with you before we close this morning, why we need good Christian believers to come alongside of us. We need others to celebrate and weep with us. To celebrate and weep with us. God gave us a spiritual family to be with us during the good times as well as the bad times. And God never intended for us to go through these times alone. In the, and in the Bible, it talks about the church as a, as a living organism. We're all connected together. We're working together. And it says in Romans twelve fifteen, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. I want you to look at this picture. It was taken about two or three weeks ago. It was a Saturday and it was at the beach, Nimitz Beach, and some of you were there. And in the center, and if you can see that, there's, there's a couple, Jared and Cynthia. And they just wanted to share this day with us. There was about 60, 65 people there from the church. And they wanted to get baptized. And so they were baptized by the leaders of their Ohana group. And then to, 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 uh, 
to make it even more special, just before they were baptized, Jared got down on his knees and he proposed to Cynthia. And she was completely surprised. And so there was a surprise marriage proposal there. And the cool thing was that we were all there to witness it and to celebrate with them such a special moment in their lives. And we were part of that family, that ohana that was there. And we celebrated with them. And it was such a joyful time. And that's why we need others around us. So during life's great times like that, we can celebrate with others. But on the other end of the token too, we just lost a good friend this past week. Some of you may have known Jerry, Rustin, Jerry and Gail. They were members of our church. Oh, there you can see them up there. We found a photo. And uh, Jerry just passed away this past week. He had cancer. But a year or so ago when they were still living here, they were part of an Ohana group, John and Susan's Ohana group. And when he found out he had cancer and had to spend uh, many weeks in the hospital, that Ohana group stepped up to the plate. They prepared meals. Susan set up a schedule. And people would make meals and take it to their house and deliver it to them. And during this time of of suffering, during these sad times, they made things a lot better. And we even got a note from Gail's daughter saying that Jerry knew that he was going to pass away. And he wanted to make sure that he sent greetings to the Croc Church family because it meant so much to him, even in his dying days. And when we go through times like that, whether it's wonderful times of celebration or sad times of death and mourning and grieving, we need others around us. We need that. We need each other. And you know what? You just, you don't find those kind of relationships just coming in and out of here on a Sunday morning You see, you could come to church every week for your whole life and still not have those kinds of relationships. It only happens when we decide to get to know a few other Christians in a smaller setting, which is why we're encouraging you. We're encouraging you to participate in, whether it's a small group or an Ohana group or a Bible study or meeting together with another believer because we all need each other. We all need other people to walk alongside of us. And that will help us to go on and to, and to not just to maintain that relationship with God, but to help us to grow that relationship and cultivate it and make it better. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come out. And as they sing a song, I just want you to think and reflect on what's been said this morning. And perhaps you need to realize that, uh, if you don't already, that it's all about a relationship with God first and foremost, and then relationships with other people. And allow God's Holy Spirit to speak to you. Let's pray together. Wonderful Heavenly Father, God of all love and mercy and grace, we just thank you. We worship you, we praise you today. We thank you, Father, that you never give up on us, that you keep pursuing after us. Even though we may be running away from you, Lord, you keep coming after us. We thank you for your amazing love, your everlasting love, your love that never ends. And Father, this morning, I just pray right now, 
if there's someone within the sound of my voice that has not come into a personal experience and relationship with you, I, fo- I pray, Father, that you would uh, just touch their hearts and help them to see that and come to terms with who they are and who you are, Lord. I pray that they may seek your face. I pray, Lord, that you would just respond to them as they respond to you. And Father, I pray for those that perhaps are walking this path and perhaps may not have someone along that path with them. I pray, Father, that you would send people their way, other brothers and sisters in Christ, like-minded and like-hearted, who will join them in this journey. Because, Lord, we need each other. And you've given to us each other. That's what the church is, the body of Christ. And we're all part, we're all members of that body. And so I pray, Father, that we would seek after those relationships as well. Because in turn, Lord, we would grow closer to you. So, Father, we thank you again. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your blessings. We pray you'll continue to meet our needs and speak to our hearts. For those that are anxious, for those that are worried, for those who have many things on their mind and heart, I pray, Father, that you would just come to them and reveal yourself in a new way to them. I pray, Father, that you would give them that peace that only you can give, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that would guard our hearts and our minds in your Son, Christ Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you and we praise you, and I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.